With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello, everybody. It is Tuesday in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. My name is Adam Bittner, Assistant Sports Editor for Multimedia at the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Back with Jason Mackey for... I keep saying they're emergency podcasts, Jason. I think they're just news podcasts at this point. We're reacting when the Pirates make moves, maybe not doing so much Pirates talk when they're not. And, and the last couple of weeks have been busy. So Jason's back to talk about the, the big news of today, which is that Andrew McCutcheon is back officially. Jason uh, broke the reporting last week that you know the energy was moving that in that direction, but it is official today. Also last night, Martin Perez signs uh, the starting pitcher, Uh, formerly the Red Sox, the Rangers, and others, um, joins the Pirates rotation. So a lot to react to. Jason, how are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well, Adam. Good to be talking to you under these circumstances. Um, I think we can both agree. For whatever interest you might have, whether you're a Pirates fan or a Pirates beat writer who, you know, is paid to be on top of this stuff and break it, um, it's certainly interesting fodder. Um, They've needed to address their rotation, so I'm glad they got Perez um, as I reported today, alongside the McCutcheon stuff, like they're not they're not done. Um, I expect to hear from Ben Jarrington at some point this week, um, and you know we'll probably talk about the pitching aspect. The McCutcheon stuff is something I largely expected. Like I reported last week, um, it's been moving in this direction. Basically, the only hangup is just them wanting to see more of him health wise, and you know they're good with it. He wants to come back. They want to have him back. Whatever. I think it means a lot for the Pirates. But uh, yeah, uh, finally got to a place where we could say it was done today. Going to dig into both of those moves a little bit more, Jason. Before we do, just want to thank our sponsor for this episode and all episodes of our Pirates podcasts, including Pitching In with Michael McHenry. Um, the North Shore Tavern, if you love baseball, you'll love the North Shore Tavern. The interior is wall-to-wall Pirates. There are appetizers, entrees, cocktails, and, of course, steak and seafood on a sizzling lava stone. Open every day, the North Shore Tavern across from PNC Park is Pittsburgh's home for steak on a stone. Um, Jason, let's, let's talk about McCutcheon first. Um, you know, I think Pirates fans knew what he was for this team last year. Not the same cuts we remember, not tracking balls down in the outfield, um, not running like wild, but but yeah. still contributing at the plate. Um, how is the role the same this season and how is the role maybe going to be a little bit different? Yeah, I think there's probably going to be some ways that the Pirates have informed what they're going to do in 2024. Um, maybe not play him as much out of the gate, regardless of how well he plays. At the same time, I also think they want to see him play in the outfield a little bit. I think that was one thing that they had to sort of massage into this is, you know, they they don't want him to be just a DH. Like they want him to play some outfield and give them some functionality out there. Um, And I think probably if you look back at last season, they got a little aggressive. He played well. It was great. They needed the help. Um, Hopefully they don't need the help as much that there are more guys contributing. So I think the role is going to be a little bit of that. I think as the season went on, Adam, I mean, Andrew kind of grew into what he 
is counted upon for. You know, people turn to him. Nobody understands making the step that the Pirates are trying to make better than Andrew. Um, he's not a super vocal rah-rah guy. He can be if he needs to be. I don't think that's his personality. But, you know, I think he had to kind of be the conduit a little bit more from, you know, coaches or, or you know, people in the front office to players. And I think as the season got on, he got more comfortable in that role. I'm not going to argue with having Jason or having, I'm not going to argue with having Jason Mackey in the clubhouse because, (laughs) but I'm not going to argue with having Andrew McCutcheon in that clubhouse either, but just to play a little bit of devil's advocate um, with the DH situation. There's a lot of guys that, that I think could benefit from those, those at bats that that you're probably going to give a decent chunk of to Andrew McCutcheon. Um, Do you worry at all that, that if the name was not Andrew McCutcheon, if it was just, some guy with his stats, with no history in Pittsburgh, that this isn't a move that the Pirates necessarily want to make? Um, because I, I worry a little bit about that and, and the fit if you're not looking at what he means to the organization, you know, historically. Yeah. A little bit. I hear you. I understand that concern, man. I think that's completely valid. My rebuttal, I guess, would be if they get a guy who's producing a 776 OPS, I think that's what it was last year. Um, I mean, that's not terrible. That's not a waste of time. Um, you know, if we, if we were talking like 620 or something and they were allocating at bats to that, I mean, that's a circus, but McCutcheon went healthy produced. Now I, again, circling back to your point, Adam, I completely agree with you that those at bats could in a different world go to players like Henry Davis or O'Neill Cruz or Brian Reynolds or whatever. And to me, that's part of the equation about, you know, having some functionality. We've thrown that word around a lot, but I mean, that's basically, you know, if you don't have anybody you want to play in right field, put Kutch out there. If you want to give Brian Reynolds a day off his feet and DH him, put him there. It helps that Jared Triolo is so versatile. Um, that kind of balances out what they're, I don't want to say stuck with, with McCutcheon, but it gives them a little bit more flexibility. So, I mean, I get that, but, uh, you know, let me, let me, I don't know, see you and raise you this. Like, was there any other move to make, though? Were they really going to tell Andrew McCutcheon, like, Man, I'm sorry. I know you limped off the field on 299. All you've done for our franchise to make us relevant in the one blip that we've had in 30 years. Like, no, nah, sorry, we can't sign you to that deal. I just, I don't see how you could do that. Yeah, I think emotionally, I think everyone's in the same place of basically what you say in your article. If Andrew McCutcheon wants to play, if he's healthy, if he's productive, there's there should be a place for him in this clubhouse. Um, I just like to talk about both sides of, of the equation. I think, you know, for me, it's like, hey, could, could you get more experience? for guys that you want to have up here. Um, but but maybe the Pirates are making a different turn here and, and trying to be more competitive, and maybe that's not as big a concern as it might have been last year or a year before that. Um, Jason, you said that, that he's not necessarily looking in, in your story. Uh, you said he's not necessarily looking at this as a victory lap, that the organization is not necessarily looking at this as a victory lap. Um, how much more do you think he has in the tank? Um, we talked about when he's healthy – I think it's getting to the point where it's a valid question whether he he can stay healthy at you know his age thirty seven season. So what's your read on on that situation, both in terms of how he feels, how the organization feels, and how you know maybe you feel as an observer of the situation? Yeah, I mean one of the things that I've sort of maintained, Adam, I thought like you know I've used the term get on the Miguel Cabrera Adam Wainwright plan, and I think that would make sense. Um, I hate to tell. Andrew McCutcheon, something I don't think he can do because he's proved everybody wrong a lot. But I do worry about how much he's going to hold up over 162 and what this looks like at the end. Now, I admire, I guess I should start with the fact that, like, I he doesn't want this to be it. Like, everything I understand, he wants to keep going. And I respect that. Um, 
and I understand the Pirates, like, I, I don't think they're looking beyond this year. I don't think they're looking at, like, you know, what's this going to mean for 2025? Like, they need to field, make the best decision they can for right now, which is what they did. Um, and so you kind of just see when you get there, right? Like, if Kutch can prove over 162 that he can stay healthy, to me, I think that's a good problem to have because he's probably going to be a productive player that you wouldn't want to trade anyway. If he's a productive player over, over 162, I think your team's probably pretty good. And then at that point, maybe maybe you've made some steps forward and he has value for you. I, I don't know. Or maybe it all you know burns. I That's also possible too. Um, but yeah, I do worry that it's just there's been elbow and knee and Achilles and all this stuff. So like I understand making the move now but I do have some concerns whether he's going to be able to stay, stay healthy for sure. Yeah. I think that'd be my concern. Maybe not so much this year, but with the talk about how far can you get, can you get close to 40? I, you know, I don't know if I see that for Andrew McCutcheon for as many miles as he has on the tires already. Yeah. Um, Jason, let's get into Martin Perez. Um, I, I think it, a lot of people reacted the same way. There was a big, big rich hill energy. Uh, I think a lot of people tweeted the, the same thought of, of here's another soft tossing lefty. You're, he's making the exact same amount of money that, that Rich Hill did a year ago. Yeah. Um, is it is it reasonable to think anything else, or what, what's what's your read on that? I'm a little higher on Martin Perez than I am Rich Hill, and I, I mean I didn't have a huge problem with Rich Hill either. I understand what they were trying to do with him. Um, you know, Rich Hill wasn't an All Star two years before the Pirates got him. Um, you know, he had a really good 2022 season and I I've read and seen all of the regression gods coming to get him and, and, you know, what was sustainable and what was not, I understand that stuff, but I, I still don't think, you know, they, they didn't dumpster dive here. Like they got a pitcher to fill out their starting rotation. They've needed pitchers to fill out their starting rotation. As I've said to you and other people, I think it's only fair to judge this when it's done. Um, you know, and, and I'll link that back to the McCutcheon piece where I, I sort of talked about, I do think there's at least one more move that they would like to make Pro probably, hopefully more, but pitching wise, like, I don't think that like they've fired their biggest shot when it comes to pitching. I still think they could lump some guys together in a trade, get somebody with years of control. And then if you're talking about like Mitch, that guy, Perez, uh, Marco Gonzalez, and then throw in like Rowanzi, Priester, Ortiz, pick one of the three. I think it's fine. Um, again, I, that's not a, gla a, a great endorsement of Perez, but I do think there's more there, Adam. I, th I think we've seen left-handers, soft-tossing left-handers specifically, do well in PNC Park. I don't see any reason why that's suddenly going to turn to you-know-what. Um, he keeps the ball down. He gets ground balls. There's a lot of outfield to work with if you're, you're facing a lot of right-handed bats. His cutter um, underperformed badly last year. The Pirates have typically done well accentuating spin, especially horizontal spin. So, I mean, if you can bring out more in that pitch with the mold that they have, I I don't hate it. Um, Jason, I know you're saying that you think that there's, there's another guy here. I, I'm going to read between the lines and suggest that you seem to think it's going to be a number two and these guys are going to slot in at fours well, or fives. If if, there, okay. if there's a bigger move, is that is that the fair read? Is that we'll be talking about a number two between here and Bradenton? A number two in Pittsburgh. I don't yeah. know if I. Fair I'm enough. not talking yeah. about that. a Dodgers number two. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I I think that I don't know if they look at their rotation the way I think external people do, Adam. I don't think they're sitting down going like one, two, three, four, five. I think they look at it like we can help Marco Gonzalez with this, that, and the other, and this is where we project him. We can help Martin Perez with this, that, and the other. There might be less projectability with 
the other guy that I think they will sign. And I, you know, or probably trade at this point. That's how it's been presented to me, um, you know, more likely as a trade. But yeah, so maybe he slots in as a two. I think the the two, three, and four in their rotation, though, are going to be fairly similar. Yeah, there too. Um, the, the big question I had, Jason, is whether you see, regardless of, of that move, just th- these two moves with Gonzalez and, and Perez, do you kind of see this as, as maybe a re-roll of last season where you didn't get as much out of Vince Velasquez as you, you kind of hoped you did, but you, you liked what you saw from him, you got a decent amount out of Rich Hill, and you're thinking if you can get more out of that same strategy this year that, that maybe you win, I don't know, a few more games and, and that – following that model that you set for yourself last year and hoping for a little bit better luck is a worthwhile strategy to pursue with with those two rotation spots regardless of what happens with any other moves yeah no another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos bank of america has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals get started at one of our local financial centers or 24 7 in our mobile banking app Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I hear you. Um, and it is a little bit of a re-roll of last year. Sure. I mean, you're signing veterans that are on expiring deals that you very easily could flip. And I understand that upsets people. Um, I would argue that for the Pirates to be good for any sustainable amount of time, they need more than those guys. Like, I'm okay with if Martin Perez is is halfway decent and they flip him, whatever. Uh, more important to the Pirates is like Bubba Chandler coming along, Anthony Salamedo coming along, Paul Skeens, Jared Jones coming along. Um, you know, baseball America listed its top list for the pirates this year. Five of the top six are pitchers. Like they need those guys to five of the top six, I should say are pitchers that fans are going to see this year. Like they need those guys to pan out. So yes, you're, you're sort of re-rolling it, but I would argue that last year there wasn't not as much like internal pitching depth coming up. So, I mean, you're going to sign these guys. They're going to be a little bit of uh, placeholders, hopefully, they can get one guy in here for for multiple years, and he's not a trade candidate. Um, Gonzalez does have an option, although it's very steep. I think it's like 15 mil. Um, so, yeah, I, it's a bit of a re-roll, but I think there's just some additional context here that shows they're farther along in, in a substantial rebuild. Yeah, and I think, you know, I think it's fair to say that, the, you know, that the Velasquez move looked like it could have worked a little bit better if you don't have the injury issue. But yeah. then again, I mean, injuries happen, Jason, and, and I think that's yeah. And they, and, they, 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 and they were far too thin. I mean, they, they thinned out and it, it hurt them. It, you know, you could argue that they should have gone and and acquired more pitching, and I think it's going to be a fair criticism, no matter of how this finishes, uh, that they're still pretty darn thin with the starting rotation. Like that's just you know, it's it's a problem. They've tried to get guys, they've tried to help guys, um, they haven't you know, sort of kept anybody around, everybody who's any good, they trade them. Um, it, it does worry me. Like if, if it doesn't work out for some of these trade options, like are we back in a case where you're going to be rolling out Bailey Falter, Andre Jackson, Thomas Hatch? I hope not. 
I hope not. Like, I understand why they did it last year, but this next season, like, Salamedo should be up here. You know, Skeen should be up here. Jared Jones should be up here. These are premium picks, guys you spent a lot of time and money developing who have talent. There's no reason that they shouldn't be able to come up here and contribute to the Major League Club next season. Yeah, I, I, I think that's true, Jason. I also think what I said last night is, is when I look at the signs and trades that Ben Sherrington has made through, you know, we're in year five here now. Um, that he kind of feels like a risk player to me that's just trying to survive till the next turn and and get those a couple reinforcements by holding South America and maybe dipping into Africa a little bit and, and maybe other guys make mistakes on the board and and they get killed before you do. But at the end of the day, you're not going to win the game playing that way. Um, I've never played risk, so it went straight over your head. <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll couch it this. It, it seems like he's trying to survive to the next turn, to the next yeah. key. And that there's not a ton of vision with the signs and trades beyond this is what this does for us in 2024. And I'm not taking any risk on, on term with uh, yeah. uh, the guys are in that are in uh, Gonzalez's place in this rotation or Perez's spots in this rotation. Yeah. I hear what you're saying. I, I can't say you're wrong. Um, I would offer this though, from being a little closer to it. I do think there's a bit of a, what's this word? Chasm chasm. How do you pronounce that? I think you're on fine. What's that? I think either one's fine. Either one's fine. I think there's a difference of opinion. We'll say that, or a, a difference in urgency. And I think Charrington and his group have kind of come around to this. Like fans want to see a winner now. They wanted to see a winner yesterday. I think Charrington's come in here and there was a little bit more of a patient approach. You know, they they like to say that the rebuild started after the 2020 season. They, you know, they're they're sort of like, we're executing this five-year plan. Why is everybody expecting this thing to turn so quickly? And I think the fans are looking at it being like, man coming out of 13 14 15 the team didn't do anything we're frustrated we want to see a winning product on the field you know and so there's this like ideological difference um and i think they've started to realize like hey we we gotta go like we gotta we gotta win games here there needs to be improvement i think that's what the owner wants to see frankly um you know people will certainly criticize and i understand why and they should spend more on like presenting any of this as a defense i'm just kind of explaining some of the different opinions that you get around the team or or senses on like how far along this rebuild is or how much it's worth tacking on term or taking risks or whatever so i don't know it's a bit of a rebuttal i just think that you know that there's there's probably not always been um how do i say this delicately like it it hasn't always been like we're going to compete right now i think there's been a little bit more of a slow play internally than the external expectations well i'll i'll raise you this one jason we talked a little bit last time about 2012 and aj burnett and and russell martin and those types of guys i don't know if it's so much about like you expect it to all work this year for for a lot of people i think it's seeing players that you can say that guy's going to be here and he's going to be part of the next winning team and it's not necessarily about spending a ton of money. I don't think AJ Burnett fell in that category. I don't think Russell Martin fell in that category, but it's it's getting guys with talent that that maybe are a little bit overlooked and that you can see the vision a little bit with the moves sure. that they're making. Um, so I know spend more is, is just kind of the reductive way to say it, but I, I think it's spend more and and show us where we're going. And, and yeah, I, I agree. Yes. For fans? yes, I think that's a completely fair way of looking at it. No, no doubt. And, and, an investment like Russ Martin would be really good right now where fans could, you know, they need somebody rowdy Telez for crying out loud. I feel like is the next best thing they have, but you know, somebody attitude wise, um, you know, who can sort of set a standard in that clubhouse, AJ Burnett, that sort of deal. 
Um, now it's a little bit different in the, the last one, like they weren't signing Brian Rebel, Brian Reynolds and key Brian Hayes level extensions. So like, that's a point for the new regime, I would argue. But they signed McCutcheon and Marte and Polanco. I mean, I, I would, yeah, but they, those are allegories. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying. Um, yeah, but I mean, what are the total dollars in those trade or in those contracts versus the total dollars in McCutcheon and, and uh, yeah, man, in, in uh, Reynolds and Hayes? I mean, I'd have to pull out the inflation calculator, but yeah, I mean, hey, look, I'm I'm not trying to like defend it and saying everything's all hunky dory. Like, I I get what you're saying. People want to see guys who are here, who are going to be a part of this thing, who want to see a vision, and thus far, that's been hard to discern. Absolutely, absolutely, a fair criticism. Um, I think that's what this offseason should be about changing. Um, that's why I think and wrote in the piece, like they need to get a guy in here for multiple years. I don't think you necessarily need to dole out a three-year contract via free agency, but if you lump some of your younger players and attractive pieces, send them to another team and get one guy back that has multiple years. Like, I feel like that's the kind of thing that would be looking at and saying like, okay, so-and-so is going to be here for multiple years. But yeah, I, if I, if I'm a fan, of course I want, I want more than mercenaries on my team. I understand that. And, and I think that's part of what, you know, the, building the farm system like they have is, is it's part of it, right? Is you, you got to use these prospects to go get those pieces when, when the time comes and, and we're getting to that point. And I, I think the uncomfortable truth is, um, you know, a lot of this hinges on whether these guys they've developed are actually the players that, that we've been sold. And, and I think no doubt. there were cracks in that foundation last season. I think this season is also just going to be about can those guys shake off those and, and take steps forward? Then maybe we're not talking about free agents as much. Um, and, and spending as much. We're talking about spending in terms of keeping guys around. Um, Jason, I'll get you out of here on this. I know you got to do another hit. Um, Edward Oliveris was uh, traded for since you and I last spoke. Yeah. Uh, he's an outfielder, decently productive. Um, what are your thoughts on that move and how he fits in? Yeah, I thought that was an interesting one. Um, you know, I'm not rolling out Edward Oliveris on opening day. I mean, maybe, maybe he has the spring and becomes a, a fantastic story. I don't know. Um, I like his potential. I like, you know, it has a lot of power. Um, probably needs to clean up some of the swing and miss and swing decisions and whatnot and a little bit more of a cautious approach at the plate. But, you know, they gave up a, a low A, I don't even know what, a low A position player. It was, you know, a whatever move um, for like an OPS plus of 109, if I'm going off memory. I mean, I'll take chances on that all day long if I'm the Pirates. The guy had one of the, um, they put in the release, one of the best average home run distances in the American League last year, finished the season really strong, hit, I don't know, three-something over his last 22. What You know, it's something. I mean, worst-case scenario, he's an outfielder in AAA. Um, they gave up nothing to get him. And, I mean, sooner or later, Adam, I feel like they have to hit on one of these flyers, right? Just like law of averages. Not that, not that he was a, you know, a dumpster dive a la, you know, Dylan Peters, or I don't know, I'm trying to think of somebody else who falls into that category, but you know, they, they've rustled around the bargain bins quite a bit. Um, he's a little bit above that still a relatively young guy with some tools. I I'm, I'm intrigued, put it that way. Got to find a Garrett Jones at some point, somewhere, something, right? Right. I mean, it doesn't like have to Ben Gamble has been their best one, best position player that they've grabbed off of there. And I'm not sure what that's saying. Yeah, they just I, – I hear what you're saying of, like, you're going to – maybe you don't have a, a guy hit 23 home runs in a half season like Garrett Jones did, but but you find someone who who adds – just does a little something, right? Um, Jason, any final thoughts on, on where things stand with the Pirates and, um, you know, anything else that you're you're seeing possibly coming down the, the road? Yeah, 
you brought up a really good point and, and I'll close it on this um, about the, the it, so much is going to be determined by what happens with the young pitchers. You know, this off season is all about trade spending. What do they do and this, that, and the other, like it's not as easy to focus on the guys they do have, but I, I mean, the last regime for was crushed for how obstinate they were with pitching, how they couldn't get guys to complete their development, at the major league level. And we're seeing that. And that's like the big question that this group has to answer. Right. And we don't know. I mean, they've made some bad trades. They've made some halfway decent trades. I think they've drafted. Okay. I mean, we don't have a ton of evidence, but you know, right now getting guys to complete their development at the major league level, specifically with those young pitchers and whether or not they can reach those guys instead of being obstinate the way they were in the past. And we've seen some signs about them being very sinker heavy and wanting very specific things that it not necessarily jiving with Roe and Ortiz and Priester. Um, so that's, that's something that I've absolutely got circled, man. I mean, they, it's not optional. They have to get through to those guys. They have to be productive players and not just, not just the three I mentioned, but, you know, Salamato Chandler on down, they need those guys to advance. Yeah. And I think those guys that are on the front line here, Jason, are, you know, the bellwethers for whether we're supposed to believe in, in the guys that are coming down the road, because I'm, yep. I'm just, I'm frankly sick of like, well, the next guy's going to be good. Trust right. us. You know, and, and I think that's what the importance of Ronzi Contreras is. Maybe he doesn't turn into your number one, number two for the future. But if you see things work with him, then you can believe that those guys that have maybe a little bit more talent are going to have a chance to work out as well. Yeah. And I mean, you're looking at Mike Burroughs coming back, right? Like if we're, if we're to believe that he's going to be anything special, like I want to see the guys in front of him develop. If we're to believe Chandler and Salamedo are going to work, guys in front of them have to do something. Or, you know, Braxton Ashcraft or um, – you know, I don't know, Thomas Harrington or these like younger pitchers they have. I mean, it's a whole program to get through to these kids. And, you know, frankly, I haven't liked what I've seen a whole bunch. Uh, it's been a lot of good talk, but I, I don't, you know, I, and I don't know. I, Quinn Priester did get a little bit better at the end of the year, but is it enough to make you feel all warm and fuzzy inside going into spring training at 24? Probably not. I'm legitimately worried about Rowanzi Contreras and whether they can get him out of his own head. I think they bit off too much too soon with him. I don't know if that was all necessary. So I don't know, man. It's going to be really interesting to see. It can all change this year. These I also think it's a fair thing to say that like these are young players and stuff changes fast and they can figure it out. We saw it with Mitch. So uh, it'll be an important season. If they are going to win, it's going to be, you know, largely driven by guys internally improving. Yeah, I agree with that. And and Jason, thank you so much for stopping by. Um, I know you got a lot more talking in your future, so thanks for making some time for us here on the uh, the YouTube channel. And we'll uh, we'll be back. I think you're gonna be back on pitching in on Friday. But if anything like happens, we'll, we'll be back before that. So yep, always uh, a priority, always fun, man. All right, thank you so much, Jason. Everyone else, if you enjoyed this video, please like it, help us out with the YouTube algorithm. Please subscribe to the channel so you don't miss any of our Steelers content, uh, Penguins content, Penn State, Pitt, all that stuff. Um, and we will talk to you again soon. Thank you for checking out this content from Post-Gazette Sports. If you watch this video on YouTube, please like the video and subscribe to our channel. For all of the sports coverage the Post-Gazette has to offer, visit post-gazette.com.